Welcome to Anglophilia. I'm Kaylee McMahon. I'm Stephanie Callis. And uh, this week, we're going to be discussing a little show called Bottom. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Yes. Bottom. <laughs> you say it well. I am so excited to discuss Bottom. bottom. And now for the official <laughs> scholastic. <laughs> Um, we should say it's April 8th, in case uh, you're listening in the future. <gasps> you're oh. definitely listening in the future, because this isn't live. <laughs> oh, what a pity. Bottom aired for three seasons on the BBC, from 1991 to 1995. Written and created by Rick Mayall and Adrian Edmondson, and loosely inspired by Samuel Beckett's play Waiting for Godot, Bottom chronicles the somewhat lonely often violent, sweetly pathetic, and very fucking weird daily lives of Richard Richie Richard and Edward Eddie Elizabeth Hitler. <laughs> Two unemployed Hammersmith flatmates with limited connections to the outside world. <laughs> Mayall's Richie Richard is a sweaty, pervy, middle-aged virgin who, despite living in absolute squalor, often makes an uncomfortable show of acting like a creepy, over-the-top sophisticate. His flatmate, Edmondson's Eddie Hitler, is a slightly more intelligent drunk who, despite his sexual experience, remains just as obsessed by the idea of naked bosoms as his virginal hetero life partner. <laughs> That's a Both great characters... intro. I'm sorry to Thank interrupt. You. I just needed to applaud you. <laughs> Go on. Both characters are prone to flatulence, excessive masturbation, and relentlessly beating the shit out of each other with frying pans. <laughs> Plot-wise, that is it. That is absolutely it. They have no friends, no family, no future, and no society. They're in heaven. They're in hell. They're in the perfect series to watch in the age of COVID-19. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Following the air of the second season in 1992, Mayall and Edmondson took the show on the road with Bottom Live, the first of five shows they performed between 1993 and 2003. In 1999, the two starred in the feature film Guest House Paradiso, the officially unofficial Bottom movie, directed by Edmondson, and starring himself and Mayall as similar characters to ones they play in Bottom. And with that... I, I think we can commence our discussion of uh, fear and loathing in Hammersmith. One of my early notes for this show was, what a stupid way to be waiting out the apocalypse. <laughs> it was really a perfect show for our quarantine times. And uh, it's one of those things where I grew to love it. So early on, I was kind of comparing it to The Young Ones and Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. And, you know, The Young Ones to me is a perfect show. I love it so much. And it's very tempting to compare their first effort, which is just such an inventive, and original creation and to look at this and be like oh like it's it's not quite as good but then I don't know exactly what episode it was but something a switch was flipped inside of me and I grew to love this show beyond all reason <laughs> okay good yeah I mean I really liked the first few episodes 
And then I was like, okay, all of the gratuitous violence is getting a little bit exhausting. Like, we get it. We've seen this before. And all of the crap double entendres. Like, yeah, okay, we get it. You guys are in your 30s. Maybe grow up a little bit. But then, I don't know, man. I just went completely insane and I love this show and I can't wait to watch it again. Okay, I had a very similar trajectory, dude. Like, I love... I love this pilot. I think it is one of my favorite pilots ever. Yeah. <laughs> Every single episode is just a word that is perfectly followed by the word bottom. So episode mm-hmm. one is called smells. So you've got bottom smells. But this is a pilot I've always loved and I've seen season one. I had never seen two or three in its mm. entirety. So I had fun with bottom smells. Also had fun with bottom gas. <laughs> had fun with bottom contest. And then as the days kind of wore on, I started to sort of resent that I had to watch this even though this is a nothing we technically really have to do (laughs) no offense to anyone (laughs) but I was kind of going god do I really have to do this oh no it's so painful even the thought of it and so you know episodes four through six of season one I didn't care for as much and then I too think I kind of fell off a cliff (laughs) and just embraced everything and then by Sunday night as I was finishing this up I didn't want it to end and I was just recording a bunch of bits of it on my phone so that I would have for future use oh yeah and I probably also will be re-watching this in the not so distant future yeah. although time is a rubber band time is a rubber band <laughs> just like Richie's thong that he tries to put on for their vacation episode <laughs> it ends up being a tiny little rubber band um yes. yeah it's funny because I also really thought that the first three episodes of the first season were really strong And then after that, they all kind of became a blur for me because they're all pretty much just variations on the same situation, which is often there are a lot of episodes that are just the two of them in their flat together. And I think that a lot of those are some of the most successful ones. And then there are other ones where they go out into the world and there's multiple locations and multiple actors and it kind of expands everything. And some of those are also some of my favorites. But yeah, I was feeling a bit of a fatigue. And then season three, I think, even though there were episodes that I liked in season two, the first episode of season three, I was like, okay, okay, I I finally really get this and I'm on board and I watched that whole season in one day and then I watched all five of their live shows and I loved those, I think, maybe even more than the show. Oh, wow. I, I just love their chemistry as partners and as comedians so much. You know, all of the live shows are obviously just the two of them, and they're usually just set in one location. Sometimes there will be a location change at the act break. But generally, it makes good on that premise of the, you know, the waiting for Godot inspiration, where it's just these guys and one setting. And also, a lot of the time, they are waiting for something that never comes, whether that is, mm-hmm. you know, sex or some sort of female companion or money or just any tiny little crumb of a win in life and it never comes and that's what I love about so many Britcoms this one obviously being no exception and what's so great about these guys is that obviously they started out doing you know live comedy performances as these alternative comedians in the early 80s and also the fact that the inspiration for this was a West End theater production that they were starring in I kind of like that it came full circle and it went from the stage to the telly back to the stage again and they're both Mm -hmm. so comfortable in front of an audience and having 1500 people all you know shouting at them and cheering for them and them feeding off of that energy it's so great my favorite parts are whenever they mess up and they go off script and they you know they have to improvise and they're so delightful and also so delighted by each other like you can tell they're being really generous together like the best improvising partners are I gotta watch the rest of those I only managed to watch the first one but um I will say that I enjoyed watching well first of all both of them 
get to be even more over the top than they are in this show Mm -hmm. because they're allowed to actually curse. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's fun. (laughs) And so it's enjoyable to watch them both uh, lean the fuck into that. But I also feel like AIDS' portrayal of Eddie Hitler gets even more wackadoo (laughs) on stage. Mm -hmm. He starts adding all of these strange screeches (laughs) and the way that he talks and he'll just draw every last syllable out of like a word he's saying and you kind of go, okay, yeah, been saving that for the live show. I see you. They're both such hams and it's just really wonderful to see them milk it just shamelessly. But what I found interesting was that there was that sort of middle dip for me when I was, like you, feeling like I was obligated to watch this show rather than feeling that it is a joy and a privilege, which is how I shall henceforth view it. But I was feeling that it was just a little bit claustrophobic and a little bit the same thing over and over again. Sort of like what you were saying about Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, which I loved and I know that you also liked. But, you know, talking about that and comparing that to the young ones and how you're one less in the main cast. So without that calming Mike the Cool Person energy, it could kind of be a lot to have those very hyper characters and over-the-top portrayals. And now without even, you know, the, the calming Nigel Planer, it's like, oh God, just just two complete silly bastards cursed and wanking and farting and hitting and I was like it feels a little bit more claustrophobic and exhausting but somehow when you take them away from like when you put them back on the stage you take away all of the supporting cast and also all of the changes of scenery somehow I found that less claustrophobic right when it was just returned to that original premise of these two guys in a sad dingy flat okay see I eventually just embraced the claustrophobia oh I when did I, too when I re- yeah when I realized I was looking at a mirror. <laughs> a mirror. Despite the fact that, like, yes, I live alone and all that, but I, I just kind of went, oh, I see. There's a moment in episode three of the contest where Richie just starts making fake phone calls, like, to himself. <laughs> Have you done and that I've, during your quarantine? I, I've not, but I thought, oh my god. Because I've been, you know, I've been doing a lot of I've been doing some bizarre things. I've been working on uh, my Fiona Apple impression. Oh my god. (laughs) Like, I will listen to Fiona Apple songs over and over again and purposely try to sing. Not, it's not about hitting the notes. It's about hitting the notes like her. Oh no, I hear you. And breathing like her Mm -hmm. and trying to, like, do all of that because I think I'm going to someday, like, (laughs) be a Fiona Apple impersonator. (laughs) I don't know. There's no reason to do it. Stephanie. myself but I'm, I'm doing things that are kind of just as uh desperate just as for sure oh my god stephanie you have no idea how happy it makes me you say that because <laughs> we're recording this on wednesday i don't remember if it was sunday or monday but there was one day when all i did was i i watched the end of bottom and i watched the first two live shows and then i spent a good chunk of my day in front of my bathroom mirror just pretending to be rick mail wait really <laughs> Here's the thing about me. As much as I like to think that I have a strong sense of self being, you know, 33 and having marched to the beat of my own drummer since I was a very small child, you know, when I'm in isolation, deprived of the context of other people, I tend to want to become other people. So first of all, during the first, I'd say, week or two of being in quarantine, I binged the first four seasons of The Real Housewives of New York City. I'd never seen it before. And for a while, I was like, oh my God, I want to 
be Bethany Frankel. I don't I don't want her life. I don't want her creepy ex-husband. I don't want her career. I don't even know the first thing about food. I don't care about being like a celebrity chef or anything. And I don't like envy her actual existence, but I just want to be her because she's so cool and so sharp and so witty and oh, just always perfect in every situation. But then, you know, she left the show after season three. So then I had to, you know, return to bottom. And I was like, oh, fuck, I want to be Rick Mail. <laughs> That's, he's been my, my idol that I've been aspiring to for the last couple of weeks. Wait, so, uh, what were you saying? I'm not going to say it now. It was largely like a physical and a, and a visual, like a facial kind of impression. Okay, but because also... look, I, I haven't spent hours doing it, but definitely for the past couple of days, if I, if I'm brushing my teeth, I'll, yeah, I'll, do, same, yeah. I'll go into that. Yeah, I've been doing a lot do of yeah. But but no, I mean sometimes I'll I'll like do the little bits of, of dialogue from various things or like you know I, I'll do flash art I'll do Rick from the Young Ones I'll do some Richie but I'm not I'm not gonna do it here that's that's undignified that's where I draw the line I'll do Rick and Flash Art <laughs> oh well when you put it that way sure I'll do them all cause... um so this is the point in an episode where we typically discuss the characters shall we discuss our our two heroes let's do it let's let's start with Richie because he is the first one that we see as in the previous two collaborations with these with these two actors uh rick is always the first one that you see on screen i love how it has been a decade mm-hmm. or when did the young ones air was it 82? 82 so it's been a decade and they're still just making jokes about being bitches <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a funny weird thing because like Clearly he wasn't, you know, he was married by this point and had a couple children. And even before then, he co-created The Young Ones with his girlfriend at the time. Yes. And was cheating on her with who would later become his wife. So like, I don't know wait, why. Wait, what? You didn't know that? Oh my God, wait. How have you not Googled one of our main shared crushes to the point of learning every detail of his personal life? I, I only, uh, I, I, no. The woman I mean, that would become his wife was a makeup artist that he met like when he was first starting to make TV appearances. And uh, yeah, he was having an affair with her for years and then she became pregnant. Oh, Rick! I know, I know. But like what I'm saying is that someone who gets that much tail, why is he obsessed with playing virgins? Rick! I, I only bring that up to illustrate the point that it's like... I don't know whether he's like overcompensating for some sort of insecurity, like maybe as a kid or a teenager, he felt really awkward and really unattractive. And then he decided that the way to become attractive would be to sort of play into that. Um, On the one hand, he played all of these really disgusting, pathetic, sad, gross, loser virgins. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have him playing Flash Art, who's like the biggest sex bomb in history, in multiple eras of history. And then like his stand-up persona is, you know, talking about how he has a two-foot cock. Like there's that joke that he says. What does a man with a two-foot cock have for breakfast? Well, this morning I had a boiled egg. And I just think that it's so funny that he would always go to extremes. Like, he's he's either the least fuckable or the most fuckable person on the planet. He's never just an average guy with an average cock. He either has a micro penis, which Richie literally has, because they make more than one mention over the course of the series about how it's a quarter of an inch, or it's two feet, and he uh, the ladies just can't get enough. Well, he does say in one of the documentaries that we watched, and maybe he's kidding, maybe he's not, maybe it's, you know, six to one and a half a dozen of the other, but he talks about getting into comedy so he could get chicks. Well, it worked. A little too well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Holy no, mix. but I mean, but but see, this is something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast whenever there's a Rick Mail show up for discussion is how attracted we both are to him. And you said something about how he was really beautiful, but he didn't play to that. He would always go against that. But I have disagreed with that. To me, he's attractive because not despite the weird rubber mechanics of his face. Like when he tries to do an ugly face, that's when I am more aroused. With the exception of Flash Art, who is just, he's kind of, I don't want to call him the straight man of these ones, but he's the least goofy and the least, you know, sexually unattractive within the world of the show. Okay, well, on the Boom Boom Out Go the Light segment where he does his, you know, Rick character and he does that ridiculous poem Vanessa about Red Vanessa Grave. Redgrave, yeah. <laughs> I think he looks very odd. See, I... I think he looks quite I odd. don't. I There's a window for me where it's like 1983 to maybe 1990, 1991, perhaps. There's this perfect little, like... Young One Season 2, Flash Heart, and uh, Drop Dead Fred, where I'm like, ooh, yes, please. Dude, I am watching Drop Dead Fred too. Me too! <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Um, anyway. Because we, clearly we've just become virgins again. I am probably a born-again virgin. Like, what's the... What what's the what are the actual mechanics of that? How are we defining don't, that? Don't worry about okay, it. Okay, I'm a born again virgin. I just um I was watching Aid Edmondson motorboat a picture of a woman <laughs> in a magazine in the first live show, and I thought, yep, that's where I'm headed in maybe a three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's that's very that's very very funny. We'll get back to talking about the character of Richie in a second, but since you mentioned Drop Dead Fred, something that I wanted to say about this show is that this is my first time watching it all the way through. I had only watched maybe three or four episodes a couple years ago when I first got the DVDs on my first of probably many Rick Mail kicks, and uh, and I wish that I had seen it sooner. I think that it's something that I would have loved even more if I'd seen it as a kid. Kind of like how Drop Dead Fred. I still really like that movie, even though I only saw it for the first time in my late 20s. But I think that it would be so much cooler if it was something that I could have a nostalgia for and then like grow to appreciate the other layers of it when I grew up, if that makes sense. Yeah, I did first see that movie when I was 18. So I didn't quite grow up with it. But then again, not sure if that's a kid's movie. I'm also not sure if we've grown up at all. (laughs) Well, uh, my point is, when I first saw it as a teenager, I was like... Uh, (laughs) I was just kind of looking at him going, fuck, I didn't know Rick was hot. You didn't? No, after watching The Young Ones in high school, I did not know Rick was hot. I I always thought that season two Rick was hot. And also, again, the first time that I ever saw him act was as Lord Flashheart, so, you know. I guess I got the jump on you there. But um, but anyway, back to back to the show that we're talking about. I, I love how we're both kind of like we're both kind of what? <laughs> explaining to each other. I don't know. We have this legendary, talented, fantastic, dead comedian who is not Brad Pitt. <laughs> and we are debating like, no, 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 no. This is how he's attractive. No, this is what he's attractive. No, this makes more sense. No, it's actually it this. Oh, go... I get that. But only in this scene. Like, I love that. Well, like, here's the thing. Like, it's <laughs> even within the same project or within the same episode. It's like frame by frame. There are just some times where, I mean, I don't know. But I, I love him forever is my point. I don't, even if, even if he's like old and not sexy, I still, I still will always carry a torch for that man no i still i still love him but no i am not attracted to richie richard ever really i'm just curious 
just, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't mean anything by that. I'm just, I'm asking an innocent question. No, but now you have to tell me. <laughs> I mean, you are. I'm just. It was a, it was a perfectly. You would hit it, question. dude. What? I mean, well, okay. Again, are we talking about the actor as the character or the character? Because no, I'm not go- like the actual character. No. I said I'm not attracted to Richie, and you said ever. I didn't say I'm not attracted to Richie. Right? Mayall. No, I know, but but it was. This is the same conversation that we had with the young ones, where you're like, "Do I really want to fuck Rick?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." And then you're like, "Well, yeah, the actor, but not the character." And I was like, "But he's cute as the character." Okay, I don't think that he's cute as Richie. I, I don't. I, I agree with you to a point. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, I, I'm a very lonely born-again virgin. You said to me days ago, you were like, I feel I feel no attraction to him whatsoever. <laughs> that was days ago, Stephanie. The world can change so much in just a couple of days in this elastic this rubber true. band of a time in which we are living. This is true. I mean, who are you to judge me? You said that you got turned on by by Eddie motorboating a magazine. I didn't say I got turned on. I said I identified with it. Oh, okay. I misinterpreted you. I guess I identified. No, I wasn't like, oh, I wish I were that magazine. I was kind of like, I feel you, buddy. Oh, yeah. No, I I feel them both very, very much in this. (laughs) Ooh, er. Um, so, so what, okay, so, so Richie, he's a, he's a virgin, he's very sad. Their dynamic is interesting because he is always, they're, they're both kind of equally stupid. Oh, there was this quote from a little news segment when they were doing Waiting for Godot on the West End. I think any double act, uh, basically works along much the same premise, that you have to be friends, and this is on this, on the stage, you have to be friends and you also have to have arguments. There has to be a reason why you're together but it doesn't have to be explained, which is much like waiting for Godot. You have to make a whole person with two people who have deficiencies come together to make a whole person. I think that's where the comedy comes from. Uh, what, you know, very simply, one of them's clever and one of them's stupid. And in this case, they're both definitely stupid. It's not like a clear-cut odd couple in the traditional sense, but there are some differences there, obviously. And I think that it's interesting that, once again, Adrian Edmondson seems to be playing the slightly more dominant one, even though they both beat up on each other a lot. Richie never gets under Eddie's skin the way that Eddie gets under Richie's skin. It is very much a one-way street in that regard. Yeah, well, there's still a difference in their uh, deficiencies. Yeah. Eddie can't count for instance, whereas Richie reads Tolstoy. I understand reading and counting are two different things, but you get what I mean as far as the rudimentary skills that we all hopefully have. But when Richie gets all amped up in these ridiculous plots, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like there are those great moments starting in season two. Eddie suddenly starts to break the fourth wall Mm -hmm. where he kind of seems to be in on the joke, which he often sometimes his character is like just as dumb, but he knows it's dumb, but he has nothing else to do. Yeah. I also found there to be, I mean, you get a little bit more background of the relationship in Peep Show between Mark and Jez, but Richie and Eddie, I also kind of thought like, I wonder what keeps them together other than habits, income. Yeah. But they clearly, I mean, Mark and Jez never beat each other (laughs) up. But similarly, there's a sort of, okay, will they or won't they ever fuck each other? (laughs) I wasn't wondering that with it. Well, that's not true. You weren't wondering that? Strangely, no. You'd think that that would have been at the forefront of my mind this whole time. Oh, no, I'm an idiot. I totally forgot that in several of the live shows, there's like, there's a lot of weird sexual stuff. Like at one point, I think one of them starts with Richie having like a very graphic and maybe satanic 
sadomasochistic sex dream about Eddie. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that. I watched that like two days ago and already it's... <laughs> yeah, so definitely, you are right, Stephanie. That is that is a valid question to be thinking of while watching this show. <laughs> but I was going to actually add, have you read Waiting for Godot or seen it? Years ago. I read it for the first time just a few days ago. Oh, okay. Uh, I, really, I made my dad really laugh because that was the night that I couldn't fall asleep until 6 a.m., and my dad said, what were you doing until 6 a.m.? And I said, oh, I was reading Waiting for Godot. And he just started laughing. But I then explained to him why it was for this podcast. And he said, oh, that's a lot less funny then. But there is a quote that I wrote down because it reminded me of Richie and Eddie, where Estragon says, I sometimes wonder if we wouldn't have been better off alone, each one for himself. We weren't made for the same road. And Vladimir says, it's not certain. Estragon says, no, nothing is certain. Vladimir says, we can still part if you think it would be better. Estragon it's not worthwhile now. Vladimir, no, it's not worthwhile now. And I was like, oh yeah, that's that makes perfect sense for this unexplained relationship. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that too. So yeah, Richie, he's, he also <laughs> seems to just kind of always be ready to whack off. Again, hashtag relatable. Always ready to whack off. The homosexuality that they kind of flirt with but never make overt, I guess, is sort of similar to Rick in The Young Ones as well, except whereas in The Young Ones, he's very much hiding the fact that he owns a dress. But <laughs> in this show, Richie Fulon says to Eddie at one point something about, oh, blah, 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 that dress you made me. And, and then it's never <laughs> mentioned again. <laughs> but, but and you know does does owning a dress make you gay no but what what the <laughs> hell dude eddie wait you you sew number one <laughs> also you made yeah. richie a dress that he kept like there's always kind of a weird undercurrent of no, i'm true. just so goddamn horny that you know no, you're right. And there are some times when Eddie does have some more friends than Richie does. Mm -hmm. Richie really has no friends outside of Eddie. And even then, they're not really friends. They're they're best frenemies. They're stuck together, bound by circumstance and little else. But at some point, the friends refer to Richie as, like, the wife. Like, don't tell the wife or something like that. Like, he's always sort of the more feminine and also the more emotional and, and highly strung of the two of them. Uh, it makes for a really fun dynamic. So then should we talk about Eddie? Eddie, something that we haven't mentioned yet is that he is a really crazy alcoholic. Like his yes. entire body is made of alcohol at this point. There's a line in one of my favorite episodes, Hole, where they get stuck at the top of a Ferris wheel. So it's just the two of them on the most confined set out of the whole series. And uh, at one point, he's describing all of the stuff that he mixed together to, to make the whatever drink is in his glass that he pulls out of his jacket. And Richie just says, how are you alive? And he says, I may very well not be. <laughs> that made me guffaw. <laughs> one thing that I'll say about this show, I don't know whether it's the quarantine or whether it's the show. I think it's probably both. More so than any show that we've talked about this season of the podcast, this made me laugh out loud by myself so much. Same. There were a lot of times when I was just laughing like an idiot by myself in my apartment and it was fun good good yeah. i'm glad yeah i love eddie's ability to leave a pub and come home with an entire pint of beer hidden in a coat pocket or something yeah. is, is he's fantastic. like a magician <laughs> he's like a magician no um 
alcoholic. As I said, they're both down to beat each other with frying pans. But uh, yeah, there's some something about Eddie. He is the dominant one. He has had sex. We never see him with many women, but I believe it. Here's the thing that, that threw me, though. There's one point where they're talking about using some sort of ritual. They want to summon the devil with virgin blood. And oh, the Halloween all, episode. That was the Halloween episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they all, it's Richie and Eddie, and then their two friends, Spud Gun and Dave Hedgehog, which Christopher Ryan, I was always so happy to see him. And then they all look really nervous. And then they say, oh, well, girl virgin blood. And then they all go like, oh, phew. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought that Eddie has at least had some sex. Is he lying? That is my question. Okay, I did not pick up on that. Okay, see, that was that was like one... I mean, to, to say that, oh, this show has a logical plot hole and fallacy seems really dumb when there's so many times, like, there's an episode where Eddie gets both of his legs chopped off and then Richie has to sew them back on. It was a very young one's moment. There are several episodes where it seems like they are definitely going to die at the end. Almost every episode ends with, like, a freeze frame of some supreme violence either going between the two of them or carried out on both of them by some external character or yes. like about to experience some sort of crazy violence in the final episode like they both get machine guns to death they do but again then they they return for a movie and five live shows so you know where was I going with that oh yeah so my point is I guess I shouldn't like harp on it too much that oh no Eddie's nervous that that he's going to be targeted for being a virgin because there is that other episode one of my favorites I think half of this, this one show of is one favorites. of my favorites, but but in the in episode <laughs> Digger where they sign up for a video dating service, which is so, so funny. Yes. Richie pretends to be a duke, and so he attracts the attentions of Natasha, who's this Russian aristocrat who has a high title, but we learn is impoverished and so she has to marry somebody who's eligible and very wealthy which of course he's pretending to be and he comes so close to finally having sex with her and then he suffers a heart attack and then in the ambulance eddie says oh we had sex for about five hours don't worry she was rubbish and I'm yes like, oh, that's so sad like i don't not this isn't a show that really plucks at the heartstrings but there is definitely a sad sort of bleakness and i actually did feel very bad for richie that he was so close having what he wanted and then was denied at the last minute mm -hmm. no that's a great one gosh i'm gonna have to look at terror again but mostly because of the devil of the banana costume oh my but... god okay so the visuals on this show we're gonna have to tweet and instagram the shit out of so many still frames and so many videos yeah that devil costume with the tights up to the nipples and the banana it's perfect yeah, no, Rick with the pants. Rick with the pants up to his nipples. And these are his worst pants. They're just like <laughs> high water and they do nothing for him. And he's got them pulled all the way up. And yeah. like, it's so funny how he looks so much better during the live shows because it's not just close-ups of him sweating profusely and like <laughs> pushing back his really oily thinning hair. I don't know. Yeah. But I love episode one smells so much. They come home from a night at the pub and Richie has once again, you know, quote unquote, struck out with a group of women at the pub. And Eddie suggests that Richie submit a Lonely Hearts column to try <laughs> to get himself a date. And when they're freestyling Richie's Lonely Hearts column and he's describing himself as like a foxy musky stoat. If there's a clip of that, I would love to play that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suave, sophisticated, witty. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, let's just be economical with the truth. Um, something buck. Yeah, 
hot young buck. What about badger? <laughs> no, no, I'm more a sort of... Hedgehog. No, fox. That's good. No, that's good. No, that is good. Stoat. Yeah, it's got a ring to it. Foxy stoat seeks pig. <laughs> Shut up, Eddie. This is very important. Let's see now. Foxy stoat. On the prowl. <laughs> I like that. Musky... Musky fox. Musky sly old foxy stoat. <laughs> Minky musky sly old stoaty stoaty stoat. But then also just like the quest to go to the sex shop to find the pheromone love spray that is supposed to then attract women to them and then they go to the pub and they've got all of this stuff just sprayed on them and they mm -hmm. stand near women and just wait. But of course yeah. that's very off-putting yes. when they first just kind of get near some women and lean in and they're mm -hmm. like moving their jackets so that like they'll get a whiff of like the air coming off of their bodies. Rick yeah. says so creepily, it always kills me the way he says, give in, give in to your cravings. <laughs> that and Eddie's line, have me, I'm a love I'm albatross. I'm a love albatross. That oh, yeah. stuck with me for No, that's for so years. great. Early on in the episode, they're lamenting their lack of love, or Richie is, and he says, blasted lesbians everywhere. And then the women that they end up hitting on aggressively and basically forcing to accept the offer of a Coca-Cola from them who do in fact turn out to be lesbians. They're harassing them and it's kind of uncomfortable because like being a woman, we can empathize with that position. But like, it's so clearly, you're not meant to feel like, oh, come on, give these guys a chance. You're supposed to hope for their failure in this case. It's very funny. Yeah. But I also, I do, I do sympathize with Richie when he tries to engage in a conversation and he gets all nervous and starts blabbering about blouses and jumpers. I was like, oh, that's, you're being such a creep, but also, I, that's so relatable. I feel you so much. Really? Yeah, I mean, again, it's not cool to just, like, randomly hit on strangers who make it clear multiple times that they are not interested. But, like, talking to the opposite sex, it can be hard. It's very hard to, to form sentences and words uh, for some of us. Naming no names. <laughs> I have seen you do it. When? In a, in a sexy context? I don't know, but is a bar a sexy context? When have I talked to a man in a bar? Never. Exactly. Well, so, so then, but you said that I've, you said you've seen me do it and clearly haven't I've done seen it. you talk to boys. I haven't seen you talk hang around in bars. I'd hang around, around in, in bars. bars. <laughs> I'm not a lumberjack and I'm not okay. When they come back from the pub at the beginning of that episode and Richie has the line. If only I could just get one of them to do it with me. I mean, anybody. Just to do it with me. Just once. <laughs> Just to find out what it's like. <laughs> I mean, look. Look all around you. It's Friday night. And everywhere you look, there's buildings full of people all doing it. <laughs> all doing it and doing it and then stopping and having a fag and then doing it a bit more. <laughs> there's not a single one of them saying, hang on a minute, this really isn't fair. I mean, here's us doing it and doing it and doing it and... There's poor old Richie and he hasn't done it, ever. He hasn't got anyone to do it to. I'll tell you what, I'll pop down and do it to him for a bit and then pop back up, would that be all right? I mean, it wouldn't hurt, would it? Be charitable. I mean, just think of all those acres and acres of ladies, 
all lying there saying, go on, darling, let's do it. And the bloke's saying, nah, I don't feel like doing it, the snooker's on. <laughs> well, I could be filling in for him. <laughs> providing a service. I could even charge. Might make a bit of money. Even prior to this, I have felt that way on the odd, on the odd Friday night. Or on the every Friday night. Yeah, oh, completely. Mm. Why doesn't anyone ever want to have any sex with me? Yeah, it's... Oh, it's so funny. It's oh, so also, sad. there's a, there's a moment when they're buying condoms in the bathroom because they're so sure that these pheromones are going to work, and they're going for like different patterns and flavors, and they end up choosing a cheese and onion flavored Union Jack condom. And I just wrote, "Yes, please!" <laughs> like, can that be a thing? Because I would I would buy them even just for those lonely Friday nights by myself. They sound yeah. Tasty. I I did also love the idea <laughs> of the cheese and onion Union Jack condom. That's my dream. Oh, and when they're trying to get the condoms out of the machine and the machine gets stuck Richie's hitting the machine mm -hmm. and then Eddie walks up and he says I'm the DIY expert and then he just proceeds to hit it mm -hmm. even harder it reminded me very mm -hmm. much of the young ones in the laundrette when all of the washing machines keep closing because their clothes smell so bad and the way that Vivian says <laughs> yes. this calls for a very special blend of psychology, psychology and, extreme and extreme violence, violence. <laughs> <laughs> no, and again completely. I mean I don't compare this show to the young ones but I did love mm -hmm. the little similarities again still making jokes about how Rick is a virgin mm -hmm. still making jokes about how aid is is violent and will hit things and still that cartoon violence the cartoon too. violence and there's even a quick shot in episode one because Richie starts making Eddie a fry up of whatever seems to be left over in the kitchen and there's a close up of the pan and like it's like full of beans and eggs and old sausages and gross <laughs> stuff and it's just dripping yeah, yeah, yeah. and it makes this like <laughs> like there's like a gorbing like sort of like a weird sound that is yeah, such yeah. a young one's shot. Yeah and another thing this has in common with the young ones is the bleakness and the dinginess of their surroundings. At least in the young ones their outfits would provide a pop of color but here like I guess the, the actors themselves and their over-the-top physicality and, and hilarious antics are the the color like speaking metaphorically but on a literal level it's all very dull it's all like I think that Richie's blue pants are like the most colorful thing that we see most yeah. of the time it's all kind of gray and beige and brown and dirty and gross and um oh actually I wanted to talk about American equivalents because I have an idea do you have an idea no okay so this isn't a tv show but as I've done with several other shows in the past this is an equivalent that requires an analogy so I would say that bottom is to dumb and dumber <gasps> what ab fab is to Romy and Michelle's high school reunion because those are two movies two American movies and also two British shows that have always been linked in my mind for obvious reasons and so you've got these two friends in the case of the male friends you're not quite sure why they're friends and they are kind of competitive and mean with each other in a way that the women aren't but in the case of the women it's like very colorful and bright and fun and they're living these sort of fabulous lives and they're very close and there's no real animosity even when there is conflict but in the case of the men their lives are just so sad they're completely poor they're at the end of their rope there's even some like very specific similarities like spending the last of their money on a magazine and other stupid shit yeah and drinking piss in one episode and um oh, there were other examples too no that's very smart yeah thank you well it's I, I dumb and dumber is one of my favorite movies and that's another re like i think it's partly because i saw it when i was eight but i still love it i still think it's hilarious and i wish that i had also seen this when i was eight because i think i would have really loved it <laughs> 
Um, oh, but God. yeah, it's that it's that sadness. It's that sort of bleakness. Like their lives are so depressing. Oh, there was another thing about the gas man. So they, in this in episode two of this show, they try to kill the gas man, and then when um, Harry and Lloyd and Dumb and Dumber decide to escape to Aspen and to bring Mary her briefcase that she left at the airport. They think that the hitman who's coming for them is is the gas man. They say, do you, do you remember to pay the gas bill? So like they don't pay their gas bill. They live in complete squalor and they're complete pathetic losers. I think in the terrible sequel that nobody out there should ever watch if you haven't already, if you have, I'm so sorry. It's even revealed that they are virgins and that they thought that they had had sex, but what they actually did doesn't qualify as sex. Wait, tell um, me more about that. Oh God, it was so bad. I saw like a free screening of it back when it was about to be released. I don't know. It's it's revealed that they that they haven't actually had sex. It's so stupid. I don't know. What? Oh, okay, that's stupid. Don't don't see it. It's really really bad. The first one is so funny. The second one is like heartbreakingly awful it's like how why did you wait 20 years to make a sequel that just completely shits on my heart you know what i don't know what kind of business that thing did but i also haven't met anybody out in the world who's seen it besides you um yeah so, and i didn't pay for it thank you yeah i think we're i think maybe most of the american public is safe yeah let it let it be buried but yeah, I just, I thought that that was like a nice sort of companion piece. But yeah, just as with, as we said, The Young Ones and Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, Bottom also is a, you know, it's an entirely male cast or certainly an entirely male main cast with occasional female guest spots. And that really just, it's sort of like with Red Dwarf too, it contributes to that sadness and loneliness and desperation and isolation. And it's not just because, oh, like it would be nice to have a shag. That's obviously at the forefront of these characters' minds. But like you were talking about with Red Dwarf, it also, there an emotional loneliness that these men aren't able to really connect with anybody because they have no emotional intelligence themselves so it's so interesting to compare you know dumb and dumber to Romy and michelle and to compare this to ab fab and it's like women without men are happy and fabulous and fine and men without women are sad Mm-hmm. They're sad and lonely and desperate and miserable. And uh, I would like to get that out there because this whole stereotype about, oh, single women are sad and pathetic and failures. Like, I'm doing fine in my not disgusting apartment. That's pure you projection. Know, paying my gas bill like a damn grown up. Hell yes. We've talked a little bit about the episode contest which is actually the third episode to have aired, but I believe that that was actually the pilot. And when I first watched it, I was like, this really feels like a pilot. And then I looked it up later and it, it was, which makes sense, just the way that they introduce everything and like layer in all of the information and the exposition. And the fact that it is just the two of them, it's one of those things that never leaves the flat and never introduces any other characters. Oh! Um, yeah. I, okay. It's also when you first hear the title where he says, oh, this is the bottom of my life. Wow. So then do we know why Smells is the first on the dvd as well as the first on netflix I, and all, all the other yeah no i i don't know why i mean i know that that one was aired first but i i think at the time that i watched this two years ago i looked it up somewhere and this was the one that was first written and filmed i'm pretty sure there's also i mean a, again the waiting for godot roots and the sort of existentialism is just really laid bare in this one there's that quote why can't we ever bloody win anything <laughs> oh don't be stupid richie People like us aren't meant to win things. Well, what are we meant to do then? Look, you get born, keep your head down, and then you die. If you're lucky. <laughs> oh, come on. There must be more to it than that. Well, as the telly. That's pretty much like the thesis statement for the whole rest of the show. Mm, I was just going to ask... Uh... If there's anybody that you identify a little more with. Oh, oh, Richie, completely. You? I'm 
I don't know. I feel like within our dynamic, I'm the Richie. I'm definitely the Eddie within our dynamic. I I knew that much, but I don't, (laughs) but I wouldn't like go around thinking like, oh, my friend Stephanie, what fictional character is she most like? Eddie Hitler, of course. Well, I guess I wouldn't think that about you and and Richie either, generally. I'm so flattered to hear you say that. But yeah, within our dynamic, no, I was thinking that too. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like how I'm not actually completely Mark Corrigan. I'm like maybe 70% Mark Corrigan, but but of the two of us, I'm definitely the Mark, you know? Okay. So, I was wondering yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that we got that out there. I was like, I don't know how to bring this up without insulting both of us, but I thought that you'd have a similar vibe. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. Um, something I wrote down, because I was watching this, I suppose, last week. You quoted from it. The other thing that kind of resonated with me was just Richie's simple line, I'm just a very lonely person, Eddie. And I just thought, is that why you think that I'm him? (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 no. I I just thought like, oh, well, here we all are. Yeah. Is all. It is very funny that this is the show that is our first proper non-pandemic special episode that we're recording while we've been in our homes for four weeks. Tomorrow is my anniversary. I haven't been outside since March 12th. Wait, you haven't even taken a walk? Are you guys allowed to do that? I don't know if we're allowed to, but I'm not taking my chances. If I lived somewhere that was less crowded and less the epicenter of the virus's outbreak, and also that didn't require, like, you know, doors and stuff like that. Even, I've I've checked my mail, like, maybe once a week, and that is a terrifying experience because there's very narrow hallways, and if there's somebody else, I'll, like, run back into my apartment. Oh, wow. I'm I'm being overly cautious, but that is my nature. Okay. Well, it's working, so I'm glad. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, so something, we've talked about this show in the context of its two predecessors with, with this cast, and, you know, obviously the characters, with the exception of Vivian, the names are very similar. We have Rick to Richie to Richie again, and then Vivian to Eddie and Eddie. And I remember, I couldn't find the quote, but I remember at some point hearing or seeing the quote that Rick Mayle said about how the young ones is about being a teenager, and then Filthy Rich and Cat Flap is about your 20s, or I guess it's about their 20s because most of us aren't famous, but, uh, and then Bottom is about your 30s when, you know, everything's horrible and life sucks. And it's, you know, these characters, it's something that we had said when we were comparing Filthy Rich and Cat Flap to the young ones, how it Nigel Planer was the only one who was playing a completely different character between the shows, but the others were basically doing their same antics and playing a character that was kind of like probably a version, a very warped and caricatured version of themselves. And so it's funny to sort of think of these characters as evolutions of those younger iterations. And I feel like Richie is sort of like the inverse of Rick. They're very similar, but instead of, uh, Rick was a very uh, performative revolutionary. And instead Richie is like performative in his normalcy. Like he talks a big game about being British and like being patriotic to the point of being xenophobic. Mm. And he talks, about being a Christian like there are several times when he mentions being a Christian but we've never seen him do anything nice for anybody and he doesn't go to church so it's just it's the whole talking the talk but not walking the walk except that the talk and the walk are going in the opposite directions of what they were doing 10 years ago interesting yeah I'm trying to think of that in terms of Viv and Eddie I mean there's the violence like we said the but violence um, yeah there's probably more in common between Eddie Catflap and Eddie Hitler than there is with either of them and Vivian because Eddie Catflap also is single-mindedly obsessed with drinking Mm -hmm. and then Eddie Hitler takes it to a way way greater degree yeah also because once again while you never actually see any of the young ones go to class Viv is studying to be a doctor and that takes a (laughs) smidge of ambition which I don't know (laughs) that Eddie has so yeah 
Yeah, yeah. or no, I take it back. I know he doesn't have it. Oh, God, a note just caught my eye. We mentioned the episode Digger. Oh, yes. The first episode of the second season. And so they're at their dating agency and they're doing something which I don't know if this still exists, but you make your tape. It's sort of like <laughs> putting a dating profile, but uh, you're talking about yourself on a videotape <laughs> and you just like see Eddie. Eddie says, <laughs> hello, girls. Eddie Hitler here. Come and get it. And then just shakes his bottom at the camera. <laughs> And then declares that ought to do it. <laughs> and I have to say, like, there are creepier things you could probably do on a dating video. There are probably oh, yeah. ways you could appear way creepier. This wouldn't even be creepy. This would be oh, yeah. maybe, like, it's, it's stupid playful. or unamusing at worst. Completely. I mean, compared to the amount of unsolicited dick pics that women of our generation have been subjected to, harmlessly shaking your fully clothed bottom <laughs> in the direction of the camera, that's like a mating dance. Like, other species would do that, so why don't we? That's also the curtain call gesture that they do at several of their live shows, is just shaking their butts at the audience. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm an ass girl. I'm here for it. You know, I never thought about it that way. It's totally unfair that these days, and I don't mean COVID-19 days, I mean 2020 <laughs> America days, which, yes. God, is it not much better? <laughs> I'm going to fucking cry. <laughs> you could say 2019, which was also crap, but less. Well, okay. Let's say even during the Obama administration, the, um... The opportunities to do a mating dance in an appropriate place are kind of bullshit and limited. Get me to mm -hmm. fucking, like, Spain a couple hundred years ago where peasants were just, like, making fucking music in the streets and shaking their asses and their unsupported <laughs> titties. Like, give me that mating dance. I'm not gonna go to a club and, like, yeah. twerk somewhere. Plus, I want the men shaking their asses and titties, too. I don't want them to have to do no performative dance of look at my body and I swear to God I can move it. I can't. But um, yeah. yeah, why can't we just, I don't know, shake our asses at each other and figure it out from there? <laughs> you know, I've, I've read a lot of posts and think pieces during this outbreak about how this is a moment to pause and reflect on how we would like the world to change and what we want the post coronavirus <laughs> world to be. Stephanie, I think that that's a perfectly noble cause is for, you know, obviously, you know, healthcare for all and income inequality, uh, you know, income equality rather, and a safety net and, you know, slowing things down, not over consuming things that we don't need, blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, making it mandatory for men who want to sleep with women to shake their bottoms at us. <laughs> shake that ass! <laughs> Start a change.org petition. <laughs> Shake your ass. <laughs> your bottom. Ugh. Shake it. Yeah, this is a show that the title I remember reading was something that just sort of began as an in-joke. I think they originally wanted it to be called Your Bottom. They did. So that, yeah, the joke would be like... I saw your bottom. Oh, I love your bottom. You know, that's... But despite it being like a very silly and juvenile joke, or perhaps because it is a very silly and juvenile joke, it's kind of the perfect title for this show. Because in addition to them being, you know, at the bottom of their life and the bottom of the heap, they also, you know, it, it's very fixated on the lower half of the body, whether that is farting or wanking or pooping one's pants or just anything to do, you know, humping the, the, the amount of pelvic thrusts that we see in this show. Yes. It didn't do anything for you at all. No. <laughs> Okay. 
That she stands alone. That is fine. No, once again, I identified with a lot of it more than I objectified a lot of it. You can do both. We've we've talked about this before. You about can how... do both. In this instance, yeah. I couldn't. Okay. This no, I understand. I, I feel you. I mean, I shouldn't. Here's the thing. It's just it's just a product of being you know locked in my apartment and being alone for too long. <laughs> but you know we, we've talked before about how it's possible, especially for like female crushes on male celebrities how it's possible to both want to fuck them and to be them and that's yes. totally that's like you know me me doing my rick male impression in the mirror is like oh i want to both be him and get with that in the case of rick specifically it's like i want to have that confidence and that freedom to be both gross and sexy at the same time like to be able to fart and mime rolling a booger in my hands and then turn it around and call myself attractive and have people actually believe me which i don't think is something that women really get to do I tried to explain this to a grown-ass man a couple months ago, and he looked so perplexed, which is not his fault, because I, prior to talking to you about it, had Mm -hmm. certainly never heard anybody vocalize that kind of thing before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was explaining to him, it was my senior copywriter at work, we went out to lunch, and Mm -hmm. I was telling him that I was so in love with with Adam Sandler in elementary Mm -hmm. school, particularly like age 10 to like 13 or like 9 to 13. And I I watched (laughs) Happy Gilmore over and over again. And in Happy Gilmore, he is a, you know, 29 or 30 year old man. And he's got a T-shirt and a flannel on. And it's like a green and white and kind of red, just flannel and um, sketchers. And so I would wear, I went and stole my older brother's like green and white flannel because I thought, oh my God, it's like Happy Gilmore's. And so I wore it all the fucking time. And I so get that. I just felt like powerful in it. Yes. Oh my God. But, but, but I was 10. So I wasn't like, I'm powerful because I look like a boy and boys are more powerful in this world. I wasn't making that kind of connection. Right. Right. But it was just like, oh yes, I embody the sexual energy of the 30 year old love of my life. No, completely. And nothing can hurt me. That's, I completely get it. Oh my God. Okay. So like, you know that in college I became a goth for a year because I was cast in a short film that my friend Savannah made. In it, I played a goth. And so I borrowed some pants that happened to belong to the boy that I had a crush on. And I felt so good and so sexy in those pants that I like, for the whole next year, I wore nothing but goth clothes, even though I didn't really identify as a goth on the inside. Because like, I mean, I'm not a super happy person, I would say, but I was like listening to Disney songs like at age 20. That's where my brain was. I just I just would like wear, you know, raccoon eyes and and giant pants with lots of chains and shit and skulls on my t-shirts and fishnet arms. Dude, I gotta say, I remember that and it kind of ruled. Thank you. Yeah, no, but it it really it I felt so attractive when I was dressing and maybe that explains like heterosexual transvestitism. Like I could see maybe it does go both ways, like probably not to the same degree, because obviously it's like more societally acceptable for women to wear pants, say, than for a man to wear a dress. But if you think about like, you know, Rick and Richie and how, you know, there's all those jokes about how he has a dress, but like he's so desperate to get to touch a woman that like wearing their clothing might be the closest that he can come to that, Mm, you know? Sure. So I... I get it. I very much get it. And again, for so long, I've been planning to be Rick for Halloween to just get like a blazer and a bunch of pins and shit. It's the easiest costume. I'm going to do it this year if we're allowed outside of our houses. If not, 2021 is going to be the year of Kaylee as Rick. 
going to have my impression perfected by that point. Dude, what if you uh, didn't wait till Halloween and you just kind of lived as Rick until further notice? I can because no one would notice. That's what I'm saying. How do you know that I haven't already been? There you go. Well, like, I don't know. I put on an exorbitant amount of purple makeup on one of my first days um, not going to work. And I saw that selfie you tweeted. You looked glamorous and lovely. Thank you. But like later, I just took a bunch of thirst traps in my bathroom mirror, which is something I never, ever do. But mm-hmm. I was like, I own these lace panties. I'm going to put them on for no other reason than to fucking stare at my ass in them. And mm-hmm. um, I've got photographs. You're welcome, NSA. But I didn't <laughs> didn't send them to anybody. But it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm Stephanie and I'm a really self-absorbed turbo slut. And no one can prove yeah. that I'm not because it's, you know, <laughs> if a turbo slut takes pictures of herself in an apartment where no one can see, is she a turbo <laughs> slut? I don't know. It's the Zen riddle for our times. <laughs> yes. Very much. If a tree is really horny in the woods and no one's around to see. Really horny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if a foxy minky stoaty foxy stoat <laughs> smells good in the woods. You know what's so kind of incredible and mesmerizing and weird? Okay. I tell me. I, I love Rick. Mm-hmm. Watching him, like, he is a complete weirdo and i know that he's not a dangerous weirdo and was probably so much fun to be around he's not a weirdo mm-hmm. in a you know a person i don't like kind of <laughs> in way. a woody allen way <laughs> a weirdo in a woody allen fucking way but i love that he is very much a physical comedian oh yeah he's not a you know stretchy man like jim mm-hmm. carrey or anything like that he's not doing these Pratt falls and he's not super limber and he's not doing cartwheels for no reason and shit but the way yeah. he just kind of you know rotates the pelvis and puts his mm-hmm. arms behind his chest and kind of moves his shoulders a little bit and if he hears something that he interprets as dirty whether it's dirty or not the way that he'll just kind of like touch his thigh is a little bit and kind of do the oh, whole yeah. face like it's so That's what I've been practicing <laughs> it's, it's exactly it's so he's such a physical comedian he's just not no. a look you can't possibly do what i do physical comedian yeah no he's not like a contortionist but i mean i i wrote the note i never get tired of looking at rick's face like and and this isn't anything against adrian edmondson who also is so wonderful like they're they're equally matched in their comedic chops but they just their strengths lie in slightly different areas like i mentioned earlier the ad-libbed bits whenever there's a cock up in one of the live shows and adrian is definitely the one who is better at coming up with new lines on the spot yes. and at like cracking rick up by saying something that like just is he's so quick and so witty and says the exact right thing in the moment to like yes and everything but rick like i just cannot take my eyes off of him when he is on screen he's so watchable i love everything that he does with his face and his body he acts and or overacts whatever you want to call it he is performing with every single muscle in his body and it's so compelling there was um oh, i wonder if i could find it I, when I was doing some more Googling, I read this piece from Vice uh, that was published like the day after he died, I think. And the first paragraph said, watching Rick Mail was like watching a man explode out of himself. Like his skin couldn't quite contain the speed of his mind. He was so funny, it was savage. The world will be a poorer place without his unhinged, chaotic brilliance. And I was like, that's exactly it, exploding out of himself. That is... That is exactly what his energy is like. Oh. Yeah. Rick. I know. Rick. 
love you forever. I love him so very much. Just speaking of Rick's face, my favorite part of the episode Gas <laughs> is something that we can't play a clip of because it's just visual, but like we'll, we'll tape it and we'll tweet it. Uh, it's just like 10 seconds, if that, of complete facial brilliance where they've killed or almost killed the gas man because they didn't pay their gas bill by hitting him on the head with a frying pan one too many times. And then uh, Eddie suggests like, why don't you give him the kiss of life? And he says, no way. And he says, oh, come on. You've always wanted to know what it's like to have a snog. And you see his face go from really disgusted to like, oh, well, maybe. Okay. To like finally very excited. It's just like the perfect little evolution in just, just a couple seconds where every single second is very funny, but you can completely track what his thoughts are doing inside. It's brilliant. Yes, I did. I did enjoy that as well for his for his pervy and like terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it's completely like it, it, terrible, but it's so good. It, it very much reminded me of that one horrible line of Jeremy's after he drugs Mark when Mark has the flu. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to rape him. I could I rape, rape him. I'm <laughs> like, not going to rape just, him. No, kind of like. That. You've always wanted no, to know what like. Yeah. So I loved the first three in season one. From season two, I loved Digger, mm-hmm. the one with the the Russian countess or whatever she is. Uh, and I loved Parade, which is one that has like a lot of guest stars. Is that the one uh, with fucking Crichton? Yeah, yeah. Robert Llewellyn was in it. <laughs> he he played a man with a wooden leg whose wooden leg they steal to get the money to bet on a horse. Yes, he lost it track. in the Falklands. It's, it's one of the more bizarre, like very plotty episodes, but it's so it's so funny. Yeah, there's a line in Terror. Terror is such a weird episode. It's Halloween. Eddie and Richie then have this brilliant idea to go door to door, what like demanding money so they can throw a party (laughs) and they're going to charge people to attend the party. It's very weird. But the way that Richie comes up with this very quick devil costume, as we said, he's got these (laughs) red tights on pulled up over his usual like weird shirt and Mm -hmm. devil horns. But Eddie, meanwhile, has a full body like banana costume, which is really, Mm -hmm. really funny. And there's an argument. Richie is very upset that Eddie is a banana and not a pumpkin. (laughs) Anyway, they go door to door and they're just like robbing people. And they ask someone like, give us your money. And the person puts up a little bit of a struggle. And Richie has the line, look, I've got my tights on. Eddie's wearing a banana. Give us your money. (laughs) 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 And I love, um... You know, it's not to insult anybody and it's not to say like, oh, I could have done this better. But moments like that with, you know, and then they come out dressed as a devil and a banana and they argue about being a pumpkin. That seems like something I would have written when I was nine to amuse myself. And I love that. We were talking about that with Filthy and talking about that with the young ones. It's like, no, no, no. Much younger people could derive just as much enjoyment out of this without even thinking about the existential nature of the loneliness and the way and nothing good's ever gonna happen. They, they're gonna see the fucking banana costume and the devil costume and laugh their asses off as they should. Yeah. As we all should. You know, at one point I, I wrote down the note, I think it was maybe for the episode Accident, which is the one with Richie's birthday. I wrote on the note, I feel like this show epitomizes what people think British comedy is. It's like, on the one hand, you've got the very witty, like, oh, nothing really happens, but we're going to train bombs. And then on the other hand, you've got, like, aggressively stupid, explosive, silly, farting, oh, I'm being so silly. Like, that's exactly, that's like to a T what this show is. And I, I love it dearly. Oh, well, there's that episode, Culture, 
where they're going to play oh, yes. chess. I love that. So yeah, they're going to play chess. And this was a great episode showcasing Richie's obsession with class. Mm-hmm. He wants to do high class things. They're high class people, but he doesn't know how to play chess. But Eddie's going to teach him how to play chess. Mm-hmm. There's a chess board, but a lot of pieces are missing. So they mm-hmm. replace the pieces with like kind of gross things. Like I think a sausage is involved. and A Spider-Man figurine. A Spider-Man <laughs> figurine and a bottle of ketchup shaped like a tomato, but it is in fact yeah. full of ketchup. And Richie, he's had the rules explained to him all night. And then when it's finally time to play and he kind of goes rogue and starts <laughs> making up like all of the pieces are dying and he sprays <laughs> the ketchup everywhere like it's blood. I, I had that moment too. I was like, okay, so... We've had banter about chess jokes for several minutes, and now it's just a very strange, performatively effeminate man screaming (laughs) and playing with a sausage. Very British. Very British. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think of other episodes that I loved. I mentioned Hole, the one where they're trapped at the top of the Ferris wheel, and that's another one that kind of gets back to its existential roots. Uh, And, oh, there was one line where they say, if we make it to the other end of this one, I'm going to change the way I live. And I just wrote, yep, because that's very much where we're all living right now. And then when it looks as if they're about to die, Richie has this great line. It's so great. But then in the end, this is a very young one's moment. They are saved by the hand of God. And then it disappears when they realize that they're atheists and they don't believe in God. And then they fall to their not deaths because there's five more episodes. But um, no, that was really funny. It was a really good episode. There's a lot of really great laughs. I love that it's so tight and claustrophobic. And also, even though it's very obviously a set, there's no real danger. It's fake. And I know that there are five episodes left, so they're not going to die. I was very tense the entire time whenever like the bottom of their little carriage would fall out or some new level of peril was revealed. It was Yeah, yeah, no, that was a tense episode. I also love how even, even on the top of a Ferris wheel about to die, they still found ways to perv on, you know, women yes. when they think they're going to die and they're talking about reincarnation. And Eddie <laughs> says that if he gets reincarnated, he wants to come back to life as Claudia Schiffer, so who was very much a singular, like, one person who was alive then and is alive now. So I, st- I don't think that's going to work even just from a, you know, purely the rules of reincarnation <laughs> standpoint. But he wants to yeah. come back as Claudia Schiffer just so he can see her boobs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the and then, or a giraffe so that I can stick my head above the trees and look out for supermodels taking topless helicopter lessons. Yeah, the topless helicopter lessons ended oh. me, actually. That was a moment I just kind of put my pen no, down laughed. No, it's so it's so great. I love I mean the the perviness of this is not upsetting to me because it's just very silly and very childish but it's identifiable. No, I think that the Claudia Schiffer and the giraffe conversations we've never said anything that ridiculous, but haven't we? Maybe not. Well, maybe we understand that giraffes can't necessarily uh they're not necessarily as tall as where helicopters fly. Perhaps we do know okay, that. Okay, so maybe we... <laughs> Ridiculous, though, is it subjective that, yes, maybe maybe we have a better understanding of, of zoology, but, right. um, but not of... Oh, man. There's also a great moment in the in the beginning when they're talking about having hit on some woman at the carnival and Richie explaining why it's so important not to let the women know that they fancy them. Yes. 
I was like, yeah, it doesn't actually make sense that anybody should be so shy about letting people know that they're attracted to them. But yet, I've never matured out of that kindergarten phase of, of not letting boys know that I like them. Yeah, or playing sad. hard to get. I don't know, man. Yeah. There's the I'm doing a very good job of, of that. There's the schools of thought, though. It's like, play hard to get and you're irresistible, or it's like, just say what you want men can't resist it <laughs> i feel i've done yeah. a decent job of uh, playing both at the same time and confusing the shit out of all of my potential suitors <laughs> oh. i mean what can you say women sometimes they're too smart <laughs> other times they're so stupid and other sometimes times they're, they're just, just evil, evil. Well, that's like, this is this might sound indulgent, but did you happen to read the Facebook status that I reshared from 2014 with my dream about being married to Leonardo DiCaprio? I did. I liked it. I just I read it. I was like, that's so you, dude. Like you've okay. got you've got a good thing, and you're just going to insist that everything is wrong, and you're gonna push this man away. But then my other interpretation was like, no, no, no. You knew something was up with Leo. Maybe he's lying to you. And I have those yeah. two things kind of coming at me all the time i don't i don't mm -hmm. uh i don't know i thought yeah. it was very very sweet that leo still was like you're hilarious stephanie and i think being married to you is going to be so fun and i was like yeah right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta decide when that's the right response and when that's just me trying to protect my whittle heart i think that that's a good thing to examine in the future yeah when i see men again someday and by see Perhaps they'll just be across a, a clearing. Perhaps they will be running in a Perhaps herd. you'll be a giraffe. Yeah, they'll be <laughs> like a herd of majestic willed beast, either hunting or being hunted. But they will travel together, and women will travel together. And when we approach each other, we will shake our bottoms. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wait, I'm trying to think of other... I love the episode Finger where we get to see Eddie in drag. Okay, that is such a weird... That was such a weird episode. That was like... <laughs> I was at peak like bottom like peak. Valhalla. I was just like giggling at everything they said and going, what the <laughs> fuck is this? I don't know what this is. Yes. When they yeah. steal a honeymoon. And so disguise themselves as the newlyweds, which involves Eddie putting on like ridiculous, like a, a little girl playing with her mother's lipstick, like all around his mouth and putting on boobs, but they're backwards. So they're on his back. He's got these two humps. He never adjusts it. He never, he never adjusts it even after he changes clothes. <laughs> yeah. He knows it's wrong, but he cannot figure it out. Yeah. Oh, but there, there are so many wonderful moments in that. But some of my favorite dialogue is when Richie is creepily hitting on the maid and asking her to like demonstrate the shower and then he says my wife doesn't understand me and then eddie and drag burst in and says i think you'll find i understand you all too well and then he says like you were trying to shag her then he takes the maid under his arm into the other room and says men they're only ever after one thing sexist bastards us birds should stick together maybe in the nude <laughs> tell me my dear are you at all interested in the pleasures of sound Perhaps you'd like to come on a winter wonderland waterbed cruise to the Isle of Lesbos. 
like i wrote that down too i feel like towards the end of the series earlier on i was a little bit disappointed like during that little dip of bottom fatigue that i had described earlier some of the dialogue is just not very inventive it's like oh i'd rather cut my penis off with a rusty knife and i'm like okay that's fine but here like in season three it finally gets very poetically absurd there's another line that i wrote down from the one where they're going to go on vacation they're talking about how they're gonna have so much sex on this beach vacation one snag there's not many people gonna actually want to shag two fat balding sweaty sort of rubber johnnies full of custard really are there so if we want to score we're gonna have to hit that beach like two greased cougars from the planet big bollocks who've just been sacked from the chippendales for being too sexy and i was like (laughs) bravo boys you've done it yes that was beautiful the honeymoon episode i'm just looking at my page of notes and i can tell when i'm really reacting to something emotionally because i go to all capitals in my handwriting Mm -hmm. and so i have eddie's passed out maid comes in and then the next line in all capitals is just rick mayall is so weird and then i have (laughs) they go downstairs to dinner this is so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I love just how it really does seem to run the gamut in terms of the style of it. I mean, it, it's always very silly and over the top and there's the violence and there's a lot of like, you know, common threads between all of the episodes. But like I said, there are those sort of small intimate ones like a contest, the original pilot, where it's just the two of them in the flat and nothing <laughs> that outlandish happens. It's all very believable. Like, oh, these are some sad men. Like it even starts with Richie planning on faking his suicide in order to get Eddie to feel guilty and buy him a drink. This is true. And then at the end, like, Eddie tries to convince Richie to actually commit suicide. Like, as as silly as it is, it's very dark, and I, and I really like that about it. And then on the other hand, you have something completely crazy, like Finger, where they're just, like, nothing about the plot actually makes sense, but I am so willing to go with it. Yeah. We mentioned Accident, where Richie has his birthday, and I do love a sad birthday episode. This is something that we've seen in a lot of, of Britcom like they're always just so bleak and you know he he sends cards to himself and he's also just like a real diva about it i think okay i wrote down the note that he's like a cross between stassi from vanderpump rules in terms of being a diva about his birthday and mr bean because nobody likes him this is true it's the perfect combination and then later on he has a line at the party where he's got like a couple of richie's friends in this very sad forced party and he's they're having just the lamest conversation he goes we're all incredible aren't we we're having a great time and i'm like oh that's that's the rick that the the young ones rick showing through yeah the final episode of carnival this is an episode that has become funnier to me in retrospect the more that i try to wrap my brain about what the fuck it is that happened they are going to make their own movie to get famous and shag birds and they decide (laughs) to make like what would be the equivalent of like an america's funniest home videos submission and Mm -hmm. they're staging eddie (laughs) like cooking in the kitchen wearing a freaking apron with curlers on his bald head and he's trying to do like this stunt where he's like making breakfast and then a dart gets thrown through his head and then Eddie gets set on fire by what he's cooking and then he looks at the window and he says someone's left the window open ah no they haven't well I still hope I don't fall out of it and then he just (laughs) jumps through the window like that actually in the moment I was watching it I mean I keep comparing them to children but have you 
ever like babysat or recently been near kids where you're like really on board with them and you're having fun but then they take it somewhere and you just kind of watch in awe as opposed to participate <laughs> like imagine when our parents filming us as kids when the home videos start out cute sure. and that it's like our parents are no longer responding they are simply capturing every second of this because it makes no yeah. Like, not that Rick and Aid are my children, but I kind of cross that threshold into, oh, okay, and, and now what are you going to do? I mean, that's something that I at first was sort of annoyed by and then grew to really love and admire about the show is, like, how proudly and unapologetically stupid and childish it can be. Because, like, writing is very, very hard, and it's kind of an act of bravery to do anything to, to put yourself out there in any way at all. And like in a lot of ways, <laughs> to quote your mother and the pandemic special, you know, grow up. Like there's a lot of pressure, even from the time that you are still literally a child, <laughs> to, to grow up and to conform to, you know, the, the standards of adulthood, whatever that means to you, whatever maturity, however we're defining that in our era. And, you know, I miss the sort of uninhibited quality of my imagination as a child. I've, I've become so self-conscious and such a self-censor and something that I really admire about Rick and Aid is that they didn't really ever seem to grow up. And this is, I, a lot of people, it would be very easy for, you know, a more buttoned up sort to sneer and, and look down their noses at, you know, some 30 year old men or 40 something men in the case of their later live shows, still making jokes about wanking and farting. But like, it's, it's kind of an act of bravery and, and rebellion in a way against the little voice in your head that says, no, that's stupid. This isn't good. Yeah, but ah, uh, dude, at the same time, and this isn't to dig against them, we've got to get rid of the idea that girls mature faster than boys. I mean, hello, exhibit A, exhibit B. Well, because it's like, where the fuck is the science on that? I think we're just corrected more. Yeah, I mean, apart from like on a literal level, like we all remember that year in middle school where the girls were a head taller than the boys. But as far as emotional maturity, yeah, I think that it is the result of societal conditioning. Yeah. It's a gender thing, not a sex thing. Yeah, so... Ooh. Ew, uh. Ew, let's let's have a wank. Yeah, no, I I completely. Wait, why'd you say let's have a wank? Because I was wank. just trying to be immature. That's just something. Oh, I guess you didn't watch all of the live shows. No. That was like one of the things that in almost every single live show, some audience member yells "have a wank," and the the way that they respond to it is always very funny. <laughs> How weird. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, I'm all alone. What am I going to do? It's it's just... Oh, it, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. So, I mean, sometimes they're asking for it, but other times it's just apropos of nothing. And just the way that they respond to the heckling is always... Mwah. Oh, lovely. Okay, I'm, I'm looking through my remaining notes. The episode Zup, as in bottoms up. They're watching a video that they've rented called Furry Honeypot Adventure, which they rented believing that it was a porno, but instead it's a little thing for children. <laughs> and um, the reason that I made note of it was that it was the exact opposite of something that happened to my friend Savannah when she was, I think, 10 or 12. And that's how I learned about the Alice in Wonderland porno, because she had a friend who her dad bought a marked VHS tape that just had like a handwriting Alice in Wonderland at a garage sale, thought that it was the Disney movie, thought, oh good, a cheap bootleg of a Disney film for my daughter, gave it to her, the little girl watched it and was like, Savannah, you gotta come over and see this. And so that's how two young girls were traumatized, but also enriched. 
So then, yeah, she told me about this when 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 we first met, and I was like, I have to see this. And then my freshman year of college, our friend found it on the internet and downloaded it, and we had we screened it in one of our college theaters, which was pretty cool. Wait, do we know how old Savannah and her friend were though when they were first exposed? I could I could ask her. I I want to say either ten or twelve. Ooh, that would have freaked me out. I mean, hell, it freaked me out as an eighteen year old virgin. It it freaked out a lot of people who were even nineteen and twenty and not virgins because all those general close ups are not. It's not something that you're meant to see. Unless, that was the like, first time I'd are... seen like the extreme genital genital close up. Internet that was porn my first was a hardcore porno. Different animal in two thousand five. Yeah. Internet porn. Yeah, yeah. was not that. It was not what it is. I never, now. I never watched internet porn no. as a youth. I only watched softcore Cinemax style porn. So, sure. that, so Alice was my first hardcore like cum shots and penetration. Sure, it was, it was upsetting. Sure, but now I look back on it and it seems quaint. But like, you could it's adorable. You could download stuff from like Germany in the later two thousands, but early on, like when we were teenagers, dude, you'd be seeing like still images. That would, mm. like, maybe take forever to download. Or there <laughs> right. would be clips, but you could not just, like, full-on stream 17 minutes of ball slapping. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't do, but I know you can. Yes. It's it's nice to have that, that freedom. Porn's gross. It is. It is. I wish that it were better. Porn's thing. gross. I wish it were better. And I'm so happy that this show came out before porn ruined masturbation or hardcore porn ruined masturbation because I'm of the mind that yes of course at the end of the day there are always nude photos of ladies but Mm -hmm. I'm kind of of the mind of like and there goddamn well should be nude photos of people ladies or not because even before there was photography people were painting them nips and um <laughs> so it's yeah. it's just kind of like i see that as very very natural and as something we're all prepared to see and if you yeah. whack off to an image you are still using your imagination yeah that's true that's something that i really love is in the episode contest where we see that there's an art book that falls open to like a, a painting of topless angels or something and and richie accidentally reveals that's the page that i always open to when i'm having a and then he stops himself and i was like that's very sweet and quaint because like yeah, as a kid, I had, like, puberty books that had, you know, cartoons of, like, diagrams of, you know, genitals and people doing it and the different stages of breast development and, like, oh, that was that was so naughty and titillating. Right. And I, I'm glad that I didn't have access to anything, like, actually hardcore and real. Right. Because I couldn't have handled it at that age. No, 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 you couldn't have handled that at that age. But honestly, like, again, it's the fact that you get to bring your own imagination to it and you get to project your own fantasy and figure out what that is and you know what those fantasies are but mm-hmm. again to try to take it back to the show like yeah. it's so much funnier that they're jacking off to art magazines or miss world contest the miss world contest or they spend their last you know couple pence on you know an old copy of some magazine that's got a lingerie section that is so mm-hmm. much funnier than it, than if they were you know two guys stealing somebody else's wi-fi password who got to go have a wink with some porn that is not funny it's funnier to watch somebody struggle to acquire masturbation material so um do we do we want to attempt a shag mary kill now yes and i have not thought about it very much so if you have suggested parameters please vocalize them there's a number of ways that we could do this we could do Richie, Eddie, and their two friends, Spud Gun and Dave Hedgehog. Or we could also do Rick, Richie Rich, and Richie Richard, and Vivian, Eddie Catflap, and Eddie Hitler. Battle of the Eddies and Battle of the Ricks. That sounds like a good idea. Because it's such a small series and there's only 
two main characters. Let's uh, let's expand it to this this little trilogy of, of Rick and Aid collabs. Okay. Uh, do you want to take the first stab? It's hard because they're all very similar <laughs> and similarly terrible. No, I feel like my Rick answer is going to be easy. Okay. It's the Aid answer that's going to be difficult for me. Okay, so what's your Rick answer? I'm going to kill Richie. Yeah. I feel like I could marry Rick for love, but I could also marry Rich for money. Okay. But something tells me that money is not bottomless. So maybe <laughs> that wouldn't be nice to do. Especially yeah. since Rich is older and kind of disliked by more people. Whereas Rick, I know that we often say men can change, but Rick is a white man in his early 20s mm-hmm. at college. He's like one of the worst kinds of people. <laughs> yeah. um, so... The odds of him outgrowing that are okay. So I think I'm going to marry Rick, shag Rich, kill Richie. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely marry Rick because as obnoxious as he is, like you said, there is room for him to grow and change. And also he's the only one with liberal politics. The others are explicitly conservative. Yeah. Um, and also he's all young and cute. But um, but then I'm not quite sure. It's not that I want to fuck Richie. I very much don't. But I wonder if I want to kill... Sorry, Richie Richard. But I wonder if I want to kill Richie Rich more... Because he has murdered a lot of people, whereas Richie Richard is kind of a harmless, useless person who doesn't really have any. I wonder if I could throw him a bone, so to speak, and make him very happy Hmm. and kill Richie Rich. Just kind of take one for the team of humanity, you know what I mean? Because, like, it's it's usually my instinct to kill the most violent or, or despicable person. This is true, except Richie Rich isn't gonna kill me, so I can I can get away with it and maybe it would be kinda sexy. That's terrible, <laughs> but it's where I'm at. I mean I'm I'm surprised by my not killing Richie Richard. Like I it seems like the right answer on paper, but just just for the sake of variety, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on this. And then we come to Viv, Eddie, and Eddie. Because we're choosing between one violent young person and two violent drunk older people. Yeah, it's slim pickings. So I wonder if the Mary Rick, because he's still young and will probably grow out of some of this, can also apply to Viv. Because I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, I don't necessarily think that Vivian is going to mellow out with age or change very much, but... I will say that you bring up a good point that he's not an alcoholic and the others very much are. He's not an alcoholic and you do see him treat another human being with respect, his gay lover, Mike. (laughs) Fair enough. So I wonder if I would marry him, but then the shagging is disgusting because Filthy like has herpes. cat flap. (laughs) Sorry, cat flap. Or do Filthy and cat flap both have STDs? well, Filthy's not part of the equation, so we can forget about it. No, him. I know. I'm just trying to remember for the show. I know. Oh, it's... yeah. No, I think I think they both do. It Jeez. could be wrong. Well, I'm yeah. not going to not wear protection, but my lord. Although, I mean, Eddie Hitler has sex with the Countess for five for hours. For five hours. Yeah, I might, I might fuck Eddie Hitler. But do I want to have sex with that person with... for five hours? Well, you wouldn't need to. You could say, oh, finish up. I need to pee. <laughs> or, um... Oh, I'm close. You could fake it. I don't know. Okay. Um, not everything has to last for five hours. I think that, yeah, I would probably I would probably kill Catflap because I, yeah. Okay, so then Eddie... we're in agreement on the AIDS stuff. Yeah, yeah, because even though Eddie Hitler is violent, he seems to only be violent towards Richie. If I'm not mistaken, he's not, he doesn't wreak that much havoc on other people. That's and true. I feel like of the three characters, he is kind of the most mellow, even though that's a very, I mean, he's graded on a steep ass curve. Um, 
But yeah. And you know I love a man in glasses, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. All right. All right, cool. I've watched a good amount of the show a good amount of times, and I've never had this emotional reaction to it. And, you know, it kind of, it snuck up on me because I was, I don't know. At first I thought, am I not enjoying this because I have outgrown it? Because I do, not outgrown, but like my tastes yeah. have changed. This just sure. kind of isn't working for me the way that it used to. Am I more interested in other things? And then... I kind of went, well, maybe maybe I'm not into it because I have all this time on my hands and I am now using it to watch a TV show about two guys who rarely leave their flat. And when they <laughs> do, they have no money and like mm -hmm. it's a brutal kind of world and they're, they're safer in their flat, even though nothing good happens there either. <laughs> and they're making fake phone calls to themselves. And so mm -hmm. once I sort of relaxed into that and went, no, 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 let this ride. This could be fun. Like everything, yeah. everything changed. And it is so yeah. strange that this was on the list of things for us to discuss because I don't know, man. Just, I don't know. This was this was something that we had talked about doing months ago when it was finally time to watch it. And Jesus Christ, it's it's the first thing we've watched in our in our shelter in place. Again, like Kaylee said, yeah. aside from the Shaun of the Dead episode. It sounds like you're, you're gearing towards uh, some sort of conclusion. But first, I can't believe that neither of us has mentioned that clip that you sent me a few nights ago. I need to bring it up because Stephanie Facebook messaged me in the middle of the night when <laughs> I happened to be awake, like I shouldn't have been awake, but you know, panic reading of, you know, anxiety articles, blah, blah, blah. I was awake at like, I don't know, one or two AM my time. And hang on, I wonder if I can find the actual text. It was, it was all caps. I interrupted my viewing, which I needed to get done just specifically to share this moment with Kaylee because I felt like somebody just had to share it with me. Yes. And so... And I knew she'd understand. <laughs> yeah. It was, so all caps. Ah, I cannot stop watching this. What is this? How does this happen? And then <laughs> we'll, we'll play a clip of the audio, but first I'll, I'll set it up visually. So it's just an 18 second little clip that Stephanie recorded onto her phone, but it's Richie sort of on his knees, leaning against Eddie's door, wanting for him to come out. And he is sort of trying to coax him out sweetly. And he starts singing and saying, Eddie, Eddie. And then we just see Eddie's arm come out with a blowtorch and set Richie's crotch on fire. And this was an episode that I had watched just the day before, and I didn't get how funny it was when I first saw it. I was like, oh, more bottom antics. But having Stephanie highlight it for me, it became so funny that the two of us were just laughing in our respective apartments on opposite sides of the country, like, for forever like she said i'm losing it and i said me too she said kaylee this is the first day i felt bona fide stir crazy and i mean that clip is just so funny because again if you just read the script if you see like eddie 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 sets richie's crotch on fire it's like it's not that funny but just the way that he contorts his face and he sings it all weirdly and the thing that tickled me so much about it was it's you're just not expecting that this little 18 second clip it's like the exact intersection of if you combine frozen with home alone 
because you've got like the body language of a it little is girl so much we've better than Rick... both of those things <laughs> i know it's greater than the sum of its parts for sure but you've got like this sort of like a little girl figure like waiting outside of the door of the emotionally distant but beloved older sibling and like please come out and play i'm going to serenade you and try to coax you out by singing so sweetly and then you have like burnt like a really disproportionate response of setting somebody's crotch on fire like so often in this they both are macaulay culkin and the burglars but this is just the perfect like it's just not even though we've come to expect so much ridiculous and stupid violence from these guys like you're not expecting that at that moment no and and then he falls down the stairs and then he like aggressively humps a fishbowl full of liquid to set out the fire it's just oh it, it perfectly encapsulates everything that i love about this sublimely ridiculous show it's rick's weird physicality it's a really gruesome close-up of his oily sweaty face and his teeth when he does the final and then yeah and then when it pans back out and he's just standing there again like stomach pushed forward head back going ah <laughs> gets it over i just <laughs> i'm dying i just kind of thought you know what i wonder if there would be any other time in my existence where i would see that and immediately fall the fuck apart i hope the answer is yes but but i, I think, think so but this is a unique this was a unique sort of okay the I, stars were aligned <laughs> I, i'm snapping a little bit because i'm convinced that this is one of the greatest pieces of art to come out of the 20th century <laughs> I'm so glad that we both came around to that same conclusion. And I will say to our listeners out there, if you haven't seen Bottom or if you haven't seen all of Bottom, <laughs> ooh, uh, I'm going to recommend that now's a pretty fucking good time. It's very fun. And also, I, I really am very, very partial to the live shows. I can't I can't guarantee that everybody out there is going to respond to this the exact same way that we did. But you know what? They've heard our description of it, and I think that if they already know that, they already know that. That's that's true, yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if any of the clips on here have, have appealed to you, if anything that we're saying sounds intriguing, uh, definitely check it out. It, it was a bloody good time. It's a bloody good time. Yeah. Oh my god. What am I gonna do now? Jeez. <laughs> oh, I know. You're gonna have a wink. <laughs> <laughs> and I am too. <laughs> well then. Not at the same time. Not while we're like looking at each other over video conference. That's... Kaylee. Yes. <laughs> Give in. <laughs> Give in to your cravings. <laughs>